It's the 75th year of India's independence and not many people living today remember what the British Raj was like. But if you have seen Ben Kingsley's Gandhi or even Aamir Khan's Lagan, you have an idea. Although movies depict Englishmen of the time as hard-hearted and cruel, some of them were sensitive and sympathetic people who were outraged by the treatment of India and Indians by the British. One of them was a soldier named Clive Branson. Branson was sent to India in 1942 to fight against the Japanese in the Second World War. He was already a veteran of the Spanish Civil War in which he had been captured and put in a concentration camp. Clive Branson survived the Spanish War but the World War took his life. On the 25th of February 1944, he was killed while fighting the Japanese in Burma. So how do we know Branson had his heart in the right place? Well, he regularly wrote to his wife Noreen in England, and when he died, his letters were published as a book titled "British Soldier in India." After browsing through Branson's letters, I wanted to salute him, and believe me, you will too. In one of his letters, Branson mentions a journey from Bombay to Pune by train at night. I think it was in the first week of September 1942. He was in a third-class train compartment packed with poor Indian workers and peasants and their children. But guess who was sleeping on the berths? Indian soldiers of the British Army. Branson quietly watched this scene for a while. Then he woke up the soldiers and made them give up the berths to the poor women and children. The soldiers gave him sullen looks, of course, but he didn't care. He knew he had done the right thing and was happy. Maybe it was the communist in him or the artist. Yes, Branson was a disciple of Karl Marx and a gifted painter. Soldiering was just his way of doing his bit for the right cause. His father had also been a soldier in the British Indian Army when Clive was born in 1907. Like many famous Britons during the Raj, George Orwell and Rudyard Kipling for example, Branson was also born in India in Ahmednagar to be precise but he was sent back to England before he could form any childhood memories of India Coming back to the book it begins with Branson landing in Bombay in May 1942 You know at once he has not come with a colonist's mindset because as soon as he gets off the ship he goes in search of a bookstall to buy a guide to Hindi He finds the book but can't buy it since he does not have Indian money. After that he leaves with the other newly arrived soldiers for Gulunche near Pune. All the soldiers are amazed at the appalling conditions in which Indians live, but Branson is embarrassed. After 175 years of imperialism in India, the conditions are a howling disgrace, he writes to Noreen. There isn't much work at the Gulunche military camp and Branson is made rations corporal. It's his job to source supplies for which he travels daily to a nearby town. It gives him a chance to meet the locals and learn their language. The new sights and sounds also give him ideas for paintings. He's particularly impressed by the gracefulness of Indian women laborers. What dignity the women laborers here in India give to the very primitive making of a country lane he writes home. The colors of the countryside are also very different from those he was used to in Europe. He says the evening sun makes the sky a brilliant hard yellow and the dry earth looks pale mauve with strips of lemon green sugarcane patches. 
While Branson certainly has an eye for natural beauty, he's also a keen observer of politics. After hardly a month in India, he writes, the Congress leadership does not want to rouse the masses into an uprising. In the camp, he has to tolerate the other British soldiers who are hostile to Indians. Branson calls them bloody idiots and says he's ashamed to think of himself as one of them. He's also irritated by the way the British military is whiling away time. He's ordered to join a parade that will be inspected by the Duke of Gloucester. This parade is a purely bullshit parade, Branson says. It will take several days to polish boots, brasses, etc. It will take days and nights for some eight Indian tailors to alter, clean, press, etc., etc., clothes for white sahibs to wear like bloody waxworks. Shortly after Germany and Italy captured Tobruk in Libya, he writes ironically, Tobruk has fallen and we have been ordered to polish all brasses on all our equipment. Branson is picking up the local language, but he wants to learn more about India, so at the end of July he pays a two-day visit to Pune, but does not find any worthwhile book. Then he tries to see an Indian film, because, as he says, the Hollywood muck makes me feel sick but he's not allowed inside an Indian cinema. And two weeks after he returns to Gulunche, India is plunged deep into a crisis. The Congress announces the Quit India movement and all its leaders are arrested. Riots break out across the country. British troops from the Gulunche camp are now sent to maintain law and order around Pune. But Branson avoids this job as much as he can because he regards it as a kind of warfare against the people. He blames the British government for the riots and says he feels its arrogance, extravagance and domination. His sympathies lie with the Indian rioters, for he writes, Even though one does not agree with what the people are doing, one understands why they do it. When the British Labour Party urges Congress leaders to call off the movement, Branson mocks it. How brilliant, he says. Doesn't the Labour Party know that the Congress leaders are in jail and that is why the rioting is going on? Anarchistic because without leadership? Branson wants to be a friend of India. He tells Noreen, when this war is over, we must come back to India as civilized friends. In another letter, he says, I know I shall want to come back to India where I can feel I am with humanity and not just one of a stuck-up little part of it. With each passing day, Branson tries to get a stronger grasp of India's problems. On a visit to Bombay, he buys the newly published book, The Communal Triangle in India. He's surprised that in the middle of the World War, Hitler's Mein Kampf is displayed prominently at every stall. He's also shocked on reading in another book that no Indian architect was involved in the making of New Delhi and that Indians were only used as cheap labour. While in Bombay, he makes friends with Indians, has a meal with an Indian family, then meets the president of the Bombay Trade Union Congress, who has been released from jail after two and a half years. These interactions convince him that the arrest of Nehru, Gandhi and other leaders at the start of the Quit India movement was calculated to provoke the public. He says the government wanted the public to react violently and then use it as a pretext to crush the nationalist movement. So when British Prime Minister Winston Churchill implies in a speech that the riots in India are a Congress conspiracy to help the Japanese, Branson writes home, Churchill's speech on India was just 
filth. That's the kind of person Clive Branson was. In September 1942, Branson is sent to Nira, about 90 kilometers from Pune. Driving with the lights off at night, he sees peasants enacting a play in the moonlight and his heart cries to be with them. But our worlds are different, so I had to go on with the white sahibs and lorries. He writes on the 19th of September. Moving around the countryside, Branson notices the poverty of Indian villages and describes them as clusters of rags, tins and old mats. A journey through this country is indeed painful. There is such a vast mass of human happiness, human intelligence gone to waste, he says. While the letters reveal Branson's views, they also record interesting political developments. For example, his letter from the 26th of September mentions a signature campaign in Gujarat's Kaira district. Yes, the same Kaira that's home to Amul. It was a campaign to collect 100,000 signatures from 700 villages to demand the release of Congress leaders and the formation of a national government. In Ahmedabad, the Communist Party was running another signature campaign for a patch-up between Congress and the Muslim League. But the British propaganda machinery was trying to tar the image of the protesters. A rumor was spread that some student protesters had raped a woman. Branson didn't believe it. It would have made me laugh outright. Fancy Congress students demonstrating for the release of Nehru by raping women, he writes. In October 1942, Branson moves to another camp at Dhond near Pune and his criticism of the British gets more scathing. When white soldiers shout and threaten the camp dhobi Branson mocks them saying they are showing him the true meaning of British democracy The Dhond camp has a brothel when another white soldier says Branson's friendship with tea sellers and fruit sellers lowers the prestige of the whites he retorts the fact that white sahibs go into cheap brothels with native women must do much to uphold this prestige He has a soft corner for the little boys who serve tea to the soldiers. These kiddies get no education and see life in the raw, he says. One day, the man who had lectured him about white prestige slaps one of the boys across the face. The boy's only fault is that he has not understood the white man's command in English. As the boy bursts into tears, Branson comforts him and gives him an anna to spend. The Indian laborers in the gunnery bring their children along to work. Branson buys them fruit, irritating his white colleagues further. He says, "It is scandalous that there are no creches or schools for the children of workers." His letter of 7th November mentions the shanties of the poor along the railway line in Dhond. After seeing them, he writes, "However much people at home believe in British imperialism, There are 400 million Indians who know by bitter daily experience the reality. In 1942, India's population was about 40 crore or 400 million. One night Branson loses his cool when white officers hit and shout at a young Indian. I am certain I shall not end my tour of duty in the army in India without getting into some trouble through sticking up for the Indians, but I know who is right, he tells Noreen. the poverty of indians torments him wherever one goes it is the same thing he writes the villages are nothing more than clumps of broken stone walls sacking bits of tin and corrugated iron roofing which millions call home and far away in the cities the swine who live wealthily 
When an officer asks him to paint scenes from life in the army, he writes, "If I paint at all, I want to paint the Indians. My conception of life is my conception of painting. I don't paint things I want to forget." At the end of the year, Branson takes a week's leave to visit Bombay again. At the Communist Party Center, he eats an Indian meal, sitting on a straw mat and writes, "It was really great." But there is a growing food shortage in and around Bombay. Workers are spending up to 8 hours standing in food queues every day. Branson says he feels depressed at his inability to do anything to meet the huge situation. So little able to atone for the stinking, filthy, crooked, hypocritical bastards of so-called Englishmen who rule this great country. I want to end this story with Branson's letter from Karwar in February 1943. When he sees the beach he thinks of India's poor peasants and workers just the place one would love to see turned into a rest home for the thousands of peasants one has seen toiling on the dry soil or the workers in the mills he writes the brilliance of the local children delights him when he's invited to lecture at the town school he speaks on wordsworth's poetry one of the boys asks him britain has ruled india for 150 years If India conquered Britain how long would it rule Another wants to know who was greater Milton or Shakespeare and why The brightness and intelligence of these children is splendid Branson writes to Noreen It was marvelous for me to be among them I shall never forget these fishermen these peasants these children and their little town He didn't know he had only a year left to live On the 25th of February 1944 Clive Branson was killed in action in Burma.